Welcome to Burlers Hurlers. It is May 30th. Socks are 523 and 23. I'm host Dan. This is Don. Isn't that the 500? That's like a nice warm blanket. Like so much of our lives where the socks just being you know, two games above, two games below 500. It, it's it been just an kind ugly of... road to this 500, but it is. True. It is. I mean, as bad as it's been, at least we're going into it at 500 moving forward from today so yeah it's been pretty bad the last since we last had a pod we were actually potting during the nailer horrible blowout comeback game and it's been bad since then a lot of different flavors of bad there's been some good some bright spots along the way but, uh, yeah, and it's all been capped off with a big injury. So let's get right into it. Don, how are you feeling as a White Sox fan today? You know, you know, it's like, you know, it's kind of a horrible season when the Tim Anderson like injury happens in my, my first, one of my first thoughts is like, like, I don't know if it impacts things that much. Not because Tim is like a bad player or anything, just because we're already so bad that like losing an amazing player can't really make things that much worse. If that makes sense, it's like well, oh, I'd we're already it doesn't. Like... But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> so like every you game, can lose you lose know... your bet. You lose your best player, and it doesn't even matter. Man, all right, sure. <laughs> I know. So to, to rephrase, it's like oh, okay, we every day you see the White Sox lineup posted on Twitter. And you see, like, just seven horrible players, and Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu. You're like, woof. Okay, maybe we'll win this one three to two. Now it's like, well, maybe we'll win it two to one. Like, it's it's still bad. It was always bad. The offense has sucked for two months, and we have like four awesome pitchers. So the calculus doesn't change. We need pitching to be incredible, and we need like two runs a game. Yeah. So the offense has been bad. Just Slicing at the top numbers, we're batting 233 as a team, slugging 356, on base percentage 290. Those are all ranked 20th and below, 20th, 26th, 28th. That's pretty bad. Bad offense. And, you know, the pitching's been good, but it really hasn't been great either. It's been bad on both sides. It's been, like, better. It's objectively better. But, like, Keuchel's been... He's gone, but he's been bad. There's been a lot. It's been a lot of bad. Um, but yeah, I, just to compare it to last season, this was a top ten, top five, you know, categorical offense. It's it's really plummeted to a dark place, and losing Tim Anderson, who you know he had some rough spots playing D, but at this point in the year, you know, losing him, he's been our best player like in every situation, in every category. So losing him is humongous. Like already being an awful offense, just losing your best piece is is really bad. So 
especially with what's coming up. I mean, we've got a we've kind of got a huge slate of games coming up leading into the all-star break here. Like a lot of divisional games, a lot of tough opponents, like first place world series type teams. So how do, how are we going to get to the all-star break with our head above the water here? Well, here, so here's just to back up a little bit, just a couple of stats to highlight your point of like how much better team Anderson has been than everyone else on the team. So we have one player with an on-base percentage above 330. That's Tim Anderson, and it's 393. We have one player whose on-base percentage, or two players whose uh, slugging percentage is over 440. It's Andrew Vaughn and Tim Anderson. Like He's so much better than everyone else. Which is like, okay, is Tim that awesome? Is the rest of the team just like so horrible? I, it's obviously both, but it's both. I walk. It, it's both. <laughs> it's both. Like, like you who, look at Tim's numbers, and as you watch the games, even you know the team had some really horrible stretches of batting where they were just had horrible plate appearances, and you know Tim's kind of famous for swinging early and often, but he produces, so he's kind of like Teflon in this bad offense. He's produced throughout the whole year he's not slumped once it's been like it's our it's it, this is his best season but which is a bummer like if he i mean god, god forbid he's out for like a you know a long time but a long absence might like cost him a real shot at the mvp award because yeah we're 500 now but we're getting lance lynn back and we're gonna start having our hitters hit soon and if you look up in september and tim anderson's hitting like 350 and he carried this team on his back I think you'd see him get MVP votes, especially with like, you know, the cultural moment where he's really becoming like a superstar of the game. So it sucks for White Sox, but it's really sucks for Tim too. like, whoa, his career year might have been cut short. Yeah, I mean, the the diagnosis is not in. So let's let's not doom everything. True. Let's, Let's assume or hope that he's back in a few weeks or at least all star break, whatever. But uh, it's definitely a, a huge loss. Um, were you shocked at all about the Keuchel DFA? I mean, I feel like fans were begging for it. I I was shocked in the same way you, like similar to what you said the last time we talked about it, where you said like you would be shocked because it would have been the right thing to do in the sacks, just like don't do the right thing. <laughs> which is like such a good response and that's what i thought when i saw the news on twitter like whoa they did the right thing like they ate it's like 18 million dollars he still got coming to him that's that's like reinsdorf not pinching pennies like shit man we gotta i'd rather pay 18 million dollars to a ghost than have this guy pitch every five days yeah, I was out on the golf course when the news came in, when you texted me. So it, it was a real cherry on the day. But uh, yeah, it, it was pretty obvious the move had to be made. I mean, you've got guys like Davis Martin, a nebulous blob of dust, pitching better than the guy you're paying $20 million. I mean, come on. What, 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 are you, what are you trying to do? You can't go in. When the offense is bad, you can't go in one out of every five games you know what? 75% chance we're going to get blown out in the first three. <laughs> you can't do that. As it much of a drag as it is for the fans, like as much as a drag it is for us, 
think of in the clubhouse, like all the guys working their ass off, looking at the calendar and like, oh my God, got to go to work tomorrow and Keigel's going to bring me down six nothing on the top of the first. Andy's getting paid more than pretty much everyone in the room. So, right. I mean, it's just awkward. And then does it build? We talked about this. Does it build to the point where he, you know, reaches that innings mark where it's an automatic reoption? You may as well just bail. So good oh, on yeah. the Sox for, for making sure. the right call there. We're going to see some more interesting starts, I assume, including, you know, Johnny Cueto. Possibly Davis Martin again. I'd love to see him again. He looked good out there. Is it um, so? Is it has enough time passed from the Davis Martin start for us to consider whether that like really happened? Was was he a real person starting? Because he no one ever heard of him before. No one has heard of him since. Did that happen? It's debatable. There were very few people watching. I guarantee right. you that. <laughs> Like you so as far as being message. verifiable event, no, did not happen. Because <laughs> like you know, you see on Twitter, Davis Martin making his major league debut. Whoa, five hits, one run, like nice job. Oh wait, he never played baseball before, and no one's seen his face. Like someone's got to get to the bottom of this. It might be the most interesting thing about our White Sox season. So, can you provide any? background to these claims that davis martin is not a, per, a living person and is some sort of a nebulous dust so if you if uh, my you know our listeners i encourage you to open up your laptop now if you go to davis martin baseball reference it's just a black screen like it just <laughs> shuts your computer down <laughs> okay that seems like a legit source i trust that. right I mean, that's that the only game, evidence I get. That game was brutal because you had Martin come out of nowhere, non-existence apparently, right. and pitch a gem and the team couldn't score like two runs. It That was like a big low point since we've last potted for me. There's been a, a good handful of low points, but uh, that one hurt. The, the Boston series, multiple games giving up 16 runs. Ugh. The Boston series was horrible because, like, you know, the New York, it was so awesome. Tim Anderson Homer was so awesome. Took three out of the four from uh, – three out of five from KC and then, like, won the New York City. We were above 500. And I was like, ooh, we got Boston. We got the Cubbies. Like, let's – let's, man, that was horrible. It couldn't come, have come at a worse time. So depressing. So I knew so many people at that game. Like, Becky went to meet a friend there. And she was like, this is the worst game I've ever seen in my life. It was a 16-3 game. <laughs> I don't know how you stay and be, you know, happy. I guess you just sort of sit there and be like, yeah, it's a nice day out. <laughs> I think I think she, like, got there late, too. So she, like, missed the first inning. And that's always the worst. Like, you get there, like, one inning deep, and you're already down, like, four runs. Like, oh, God, I should have stayed home. There's no worse feeling as a someone who paid for a ticket. The game is over. 10 minutes into a three hour event yeah. and it happens. <laughs> I guess I'm spending 50 bucks for beer. Yeah. Then you're just pissed. You just try to, yeah. Ah, oh, baseball. You know, yeah. what would your highlight be for me? It's gotta be the Yankee win Sunday night, Tim Anderson walk off. Well, not a walk off, but a big home run to win the game. 
that was huge, especially with that all was... the buildup in that series. And even before that, too, that might have been the best Kopech has looked all year. Like, oh, I know he didn't he have a crazy healthy. strikeout numbers, but he, he had like a no hitter through five, right? Or like a perfect game through five, close to I that. Think he had a perfect game going, yeah, for most of the game. And it was like, if you looked at his stat line, like, whoa, one hit, awesome. Like, six strikeouts, great. But unless you were watching, like, it was the best I've seen is control, where sometimes Kopech stuff is so overpowering that, like, if Grandal sets up low and he misses a spot, he'll still get him out. Like, no, Kopech put it exactly where he wanted every time. His breaking balls were just, like, so good. And watching him then, I was like, man, this guy's ceiling. Like, we might have to reconceptualize because if he's able to harness this, he could be better than Giolito, better than Cease. Like, he could be our ace. And you and I have both always loved him, but I don't think, even at my, like, highest fandom of Copic, I don't think I ever imagined, like, oh, yeah, he's going to be better than, like, Giolito's best. I would have never said that. Yeah, I think we saw him have better control than at any point in his career. Unreal. Oh, yeah. Like, painting the painting the black all night. I think he hit 100 a couple times. I Against, like, awesome hitters, too. Yeah. But he, the slider, it, it was all, he he had everything was at 100%. I mean, are we going to see that quality every single night? Probably not. But if we see shades of it, that's an ace pitcher. Yeah, it was it was great. And there was no coincidence that his grease was out of control that night. I mean, oh, he was full yeah. of grease, through the shirt grease. You knew it. I knew it. The fans knew it. Good stuff. I was going to go on for like the... two more minutes, but I had to cut. Yeah, we could go on for hours on the grease, but we saw it. We all saw it, and national audience knows now. So good for him. Great game. Um, what was I going to say next? But did you want to talk about Donaldson being a a piece, or do you just want to skip that? <laughs> I think enough's been made of it. I think like the only thing that I found that didn't get enough like uh press coverage because this was like a huge news story, even like outside of sports was that Yankees fans were like, it got, it got reported. It's like, Oh, they're taunting uh, Tim Robbins or Tim Anderson. And uh, he shut him up with the Homer. It's like, no, they were shouting Jackie. They were like, like kids were calling him Jackie. And like, that's horrible. So like as awesome as the moment was, it's like 50 times more awesome than was reported because Tim Anderson like shut up tens of thousands of like racist morons. It was like such an incredible sports moment. You know, when I was watching it live, I noticed that the crowd like mics were dropped when he was batting and in that at bat and previous ones. I was wondering if that's what was going on because the audio changed like significantly in his at bats. Like what, what's happening? <laughs> oh, for sure. And they like, uh, I know it's on a delay, so they always like mute it when people are swearing in games. But th- when he crossed home, they like muted it immediately because like the camera right there could pick up everything fans are saying. They muted it like 20 seconds before he started like swearing where he was like, you know, he, whatever. But yeah, you, fans were being like so obnoxious. And I thought like that should have gotten more press coverage rather than just like, oh, this misunderstanding between baseball players. Like, no, people yeah, brought their the, kids to a game and they were being like scumbags. 
the tribal Yankee fans definitely got a loss that day, as those East Coast fan groups tend to do. Yep, not a good well, look. both coasts, yeah. Got ugly. But you know what? The Sox came out looking the better as far as getting behind their guys, taking care of business on the field, not, you know, <laughs> getting too wrapped up in it. And I don't know. It felt like a turning point, and then we gave up uh, 700 runs to the Red Sox. So weird, weird season. <laughs> I mean, I guess it was a turning point, just not in the direction we wanted. Yeah, just turned somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Um, do you think there's any chance Josh Harrison gets DFA'd? God, I mean, I think 0% chance because that, like, A, what do we replace him with? Danny Mendick, like, Larry Garcia, but I I would imagine Larry slides in the short now that Tim's going to be on for a little bit. Yeah, I guess we can't right now. I guess that question makes more sense in a pre-Tim Anderson injury. I mean, I guess you could, and you call up, like, you know, a minor leaguer that you want to give a shot. Yeah. But I just think, like, it's only been two months. I think the Keiko's struggles stemmed into last year. Like, if Keiko was good last year, and he had 2022 that's the same, I don't think it'd be DFA. It was just such a large sample size of him being just totally done. Where Josh Harrison, he's been, like, fine for a while, and I don't think, I think he'll give a, even without Tim Anderson being injured, I think he'd give him a longer leash. I don't know. It's a bummer, though, watching him because it's like you want to be mad at him for not being good, but then it's like, well, we got seven other players who can't hit either, so I'm not gonna really going to be mad at Josh Harrison. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's such a depressing <laughs> rationalization. Well, we can't get rid of that one guy who sucks because then we got to get rid of everyone who sucks, then we got no one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um Next crazy question. Yerminator, is it time? Are we at that point where we bring back the Yerminator for the, the hot offense? Well, okay. <laughs> is he even playing baseball right now? He's tearing it up in minor he was just injured. I think he got un- like, you know, returned to action a week or so ago. Right. He's, I'm he's playing. I you said tearing it up. I looked at his baseball reference in AAA. He's hitting two eighteen with a couple homers. So I mean, that'd be pretty good for the Sox right now. Does it matter? Like what? What else do we have at this point? <laughs> Just keep slugging it out. You don't think there's any room for Mercedes right now on the team? <laughs> oh God! I mean, if you call us your mean to be real. I think you call, if you call up your main, I think you DFA uh, Harrison. I think you DFA like just all of the riffraff in terms of people who just like can't hit and give every possible minor leaguer a shot while Eloy and Tim are out. So call up yeah. Cespedes, you know, yeah, he might not be ready, but what if he can give you a hot two weeks to see if anyone can catch fire and let's just try everyone gets a two week audition until we're ready to go in July. Because that's, that's all, basically what we did last year. It's like everyone who wants a shot, you got it. Who can carry the team for a couple of weeks? So you'd rather see a little more creativity bringing up new guys than Mercedes. 
Like calling them your mean would just be, it's like waving the white flag. Like I'd rather <laughs> trade for somebody. Cause he would, I mean, as fun as he was last year, I think it's easy to forget how horrible he was for a long time too. He was like the worst Pretty player. Limited too, as far as where you can play him. I mean, outfield, maybe DH. That's about it. Yeah, that's it. So yeah, he's not a dynamic piece. He stinks. Yeah, he's bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Speaking of stinking, so like a uh, big picture, I, I was, I was looking at like uh, you know we're five hundred now, and since last year's All Star break, we're only six games above five hundred. So the question is like, have we ever been a good team under Larusa? Not that it's his fault, but basically like, has Rick Hahn constructed a good team the last two years? Or was that your mean April, just that magical, incredible April? Is that clouding our memory of like how average this team has been for a really long time, like basically a year? Um, I think that the Sox are good if they were ever healthy and all playing well together. Like, I think we've kind of already labeled some of these guys as like stars or, you know, that's a silver slugger. I think the only silver slugger is Eloy. Um, I don't think anyone else has won a golden glove or anything like that. So I'm just saying like some of these guys, it's like, Oh yeah, they're stars. Cause they've had star moments. It's just never happens all at once. So, I mean, I don't think we're bad. It's just the health of the team is just awful. It just really hinders us three years in a row now, pretty much where it's just, no one's ever healthy. And I mean, I guess the truth is there's just no one in the, you know, depth chart that can step up. We have scrubs. So that's, yeah, we're kind of a bad team because we're not deep. We're not deep enough to be like a true prestige top tier team. We're definitely in that second tier of like contenders, not like elite teams. That's a great way of looking at it because like, it's a, it's such a risky construction of a team where like, super high ceiling but super low floor so like preseason when we're doing all predictions i think we trick ourselves into like seeing two outcomes like oh man if luis robert if you uh you if Eli Jimenez, if all these guys stay healthy we're gonna win 108 games we're just gonna plow through the central go to the world series mm-hmm. but if injury luck if the injury bug bites us man we're gonna have it rough we're gonna win 70 games be awful when the reality is like what we're seeing now everyone's gonna alternate getting injured until it's just like we're this messy slog of a season, win 84 games because everyone takes their turn being out for six weeks. And that's like the most boring and depressing outcome of all. Yeah, they're either out or they're arguably the worst player in baseball for two weeks at a time. Yeah, we, we do that a lot. <laughs> so, yeah, we're probably not a very good team to answer your question. Just because, I don't know, <laughs> like we're like a 500 team other than that hot, uh, what was it, the COVID year and uh, the beginning of last year. We've been pretty bad. <laughs> Man. Yeah. It's... I mean, this year, the bad is just like, I, 
there's been, I think, two or three games total of the 23 we've won where we've been winning and I've been confident we're going to win the game. Every single game we win is a battle. And I, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure there's like all these metaphors of like, yeah, it's it is a war out there. It's like, can it can we just win eight to two once? <laughs> can that just happen? That that's happened one time, the second game of the year against Detroit. Otherwise, it's a war every single inning. We're striking out, leaving guys, you know, bases loaded, no outs. We don't get any runs. It's just it, it's been. Uh, it's been a rough, rough season. So I don't know how I got on that, but that I just want one easy win, just a relaxing day where I watch the game. I can maybe do something else. I don't have to worry every inning. <laughs> Until you said that, like I knew that to be true. That like we've been in a lot of close games, but I just pulled up our game log. It's been two first two months of the season. We've literally won two games. By more than four runs. The the Yankees game we were just talking about, the Kopech Tim Anderson game. And then game three at Detroit. So since April 10th, since April 10th, we've won one game. And that more, game we scored runs. those runs in the eighth inning. Yeah, that this is wow. It's the most stressful follow. <laughs> and then like our bullpen has been so weird and messy where like if every game's a two-run game one-run game and you're turning over this bullpen that's underachieving that is a recipe for being this is a recipe for a bad baseball team oh yeah especially when you're paying that underachieving bullpen 75 mil or whatever number they're paying i mean <laughs> it's not something we're like cheaping out on we've and got like, like seven like 60 70 mil in the bullpen it, I just realized too, like Graveman isn't going to be uh, in Toronto because he's unvaccinated. No, I don't want to get into all that, but like Cease is unvaccinated too, but he wasn't scheduled to start anyway. Three games against a really good team at a crossroads of our season, and we're missing our like star free agent acquisition who should be able to pitch two of those three. This That's actually like a pretty big deal that Kendall Graveman, because he didn't get vaccinated, is gone. That's bad. Oh, yeah. That's a bad look professionally. I mean, it says a lot. Like, but. I don't... That, that's the thing. Like, you know, taking, like, the political aspect out of it and just, like, where people get their news. You got to go into a clubhouse on Sunday. Big win against the Cubs. Momentum changer. Clubhouse is probably psyched. Packing your bags to go across the border. And you're looking around. It's like, wait. Wait, Kendall and Dylan aren't coming with us? Like, we got to do this without our best pitcher and our highest paid reliever? Because they just, like, refuse to get the... It, I don't know how you could, like, think... I don't know how you could not think less of them as your teammate. Yeah, I don't know. I hope it's not a big deal in the clubhouse. I hope so, too. But... talked about it, put out where they're at, but... maybe. As a fan, it's frustrating. I don't want to get into sure. their heads, like whatever. But yeah, especially sure. you know, you you want Graveman in that Blue Jays series. I mean, because we're going against. You look at who we're going. It's uh, Kevin Gaussman, who has been unbelievable this year. 
Ryu, who has struggled, but still an elite pitcher, and Alec Manoa, who last year, I think we faced him like during his Major League debut. The guy's an animal. He's like Lance Lynn. He's a beast, man. Like so, we're it's going to be a battle for those three days, and we got three studs going too. So close, but like one run games, <laughs> get get used to three more of those. Yeah, I've I we're talking about upcoming games, so let's talk about what's upcoming leading the All Star break. I yep. I alluded to that, but let's just go into every single series. We got Toronto, good team. Tampa Bay, good team. Dodgers, good team. Rangers, team that's trying to compete. We got the Tigers, inner division. Got the Astros, good team. Blue Jays again. Orioles, this is the first maybe bad team. I mean, they're probably as good as us right now. <laughs> then we got the Angels, another good team. I mean, it keeps going. And then we got the Giants, good team. <laughs> this is what is huge, though, from July 4th to the All-Star break. We've got the Twins the Tigers, Guardians, and then the Twins again. All interdivision games. That's like, what, 12 games or so? So we've got a the upcoming series, like leading to the All-Star break. I think the season, we're going to know a lot at the All-Star break. I don't think we're going to have many questions left as far as like who this team is. There's been a lot of identity issues, but I think it'll all this tough slate of games because these most of these games like of the of all these series i would say we could win maybe two or three of them like comfortably the rest it's all going to be you know really tough so yeah because if you break it down even further like what are just the home series until the all-star break like series we need to win you know the old adage like you win two of the three on home and go 500 on the road the home series are dodgers best team in baseball Rangers, who are like solid, as you said, trying to win. Toronto, awesome team. Baltimore, horrible. Minnesota, <laughs> leading the division. And Detroit. So, like, that's it. Detroit, Minnesota, Baltimore, Toronto, Texas, LA. Like, if we go 500 in those home series, just 500, like, the season's probably over. Cause you got to assume we're going to be less than 500 on the road. We're not even playing 500 baseball at home right now. We're 11 and 13, which is bad. That's crazy. Yeah, Frank Thomas has been talking about it on the post game. Um, And yeah, that's where we're at today 11 and 13. Man. (laughs) Like, you hate to say, you hate to say the phrase, like, you know, must win games this early in the season, but this road trip that starts tomorrow. I mean, if you go like five and one and just like change the narrative, like, oh my God, you, we really might be going to the playoffs. But if we go like one and five on that road trip and then this like marathon of bad game starts, it could be a long summer. Yeah, I'm not going to like, I've already framed this for myself as like from here to the all-star break or 500, whatever. It's been ugly getting here. It's 500. It is what it is. We're going to know what's up at the all-star break. I think it's pretty clear. So I'm not going to like fluctuate because I can't with this team anymore. Like it's a, it's a really hard follow at the moment because the games are brutal. Like offense is bad, bad situational hitting. 
not entertaining, and they end up losing a lot of games late. So, I mean, I can't be, like, overreacting to them dropping five in a row. <laughs> we'll know at the All-Star break what's up. I, that'd be interesting to see, like, like let's say we fast-forward six weeks and things are about the same. We're 500. We're, like, four or five games back. It'd be really interesting to see what Rick Hahn would do if he would just go all in. Like, well, maybe we give a monster offer for like Juan Soto, that like silly rumor that was out. Maybe we try to get a star or do we sell because we like just totally missed our window. A lot's at stake the next six weeks. Uh, Big time. I mean, when people talk about windows with this team, well, we're looking at it. I mean, it could all fall apart really quick here. That's just reality. But that's exciting. Like, I mean, it, it's <laughs> it's a bummer, but like, it's been outside the last couple of years. It, it's been so long since things were at stake, even in like June for a White Sox season. So, like, the school year's about to end. I can just like watch summer baseball every night, and like every game matters from here to the end of the season. That's pretty awesome as a fan. Yeah, you know, on the bright side, you always got to look for it. Uh, one of the problems with last year's team, I think, was they didn't have any competition and they just played 500 baseball second half of the year. And then, I don't know, if they had won two more games, three more games, we would have had home field advantage for that Astros series. Just like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess that that's a good counterpoint to what I said earlier that like, oh, maybe we've been bad for a while since we've been 500 basically the last year's all-star break. But the counterpoint is what you just said. Like we had a 15 game lead that Tony was able to rest so many guys. You could afford to be 500 and still win the division. But like maybe we chose not to be awesome. Yeah. Maybe this team comes out a little tougher though. I mean, if we're 10, five, seven, 10 games over 500 at the all-star break, that would be a pretty tough team. Like they oh, had yeah. some rough days and then they got back on their feet. That could be good. So we'll see. We, we'll see. But yeah, I think when we get to the middle of summer and if we're really bad, it will be kind of, yeah, it could get really interesting because we're actually kind of due in 2024 for like a doomsday scenario. Not, you know, just using a word like we can potentially get rid of everyone on the payroll by then. So they can pivot, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Because, I mean, if we're 500, that team's not doing anything, and you may as well try to get something. I don't know. We'll see what happens. <laughs> let's let's not talk about blowing it up just yet. <laughs> I, I was intrigued, though. I would have listened to that for a while. Like, well, shit, maybe we should <laughs> blow it up. Well, think about it. Like, really, the only person we're owing money beyond – two years from now is uh yo-yo other than that pretty much everyone's off the book well, let, let's pause right there and, and this is a uh, tough for me to admit but it it's been brutal watching Moncada the last few weeks i don't even know what has happened it just makes me so sad he's a different player now and he he's just like so bad not even in like an entertaining way he just doesn't walk anymore he like didn't walk for two weeks. 
And even when he was bad before, it's like, oh, well, he's still getting like a 340 on base percentage because he's up. Now it's just like, well, he can't hit. He can't get on base. And when he runs, he runs like he's 60. He's just like, <laughs> like, what happened to him? Did like COVID wear him down that much? Is he just like I, injured all the time? I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think so either. I just like, what's the explanation? I mean, life, life happens. I mean, you know, he's like 27. He's 30. Oh, no, in 25, he'll be in 2025. He'll be 30. Sorry, I'm fast forwarding to continue the doomsday scenario. (laughs) up Doomsday chat. Um, But yeah, with uh, with Yo-Yo this year, the pitching really hasn't had to do anything to get him out. They can pretty much throw the ball anywhere, either over the plate or not. And he'll swing at it or watch it go over the plate. He's had some home runs. He's had some big hits, some real good contact that didn't get out. But he's also, I mean, I, it's been bad. When Jake Berger is forcing the issue, that that says all. That says everything. The guy who you like, <clears throat> excuse me, we talked about, kicked off this rebuild with, is getting kind of hedged out in some fan groups and in reality by Jake Berger. That sucks <laughs> it's a bad look it's a real bad it look sucks. and i know it's tough for you as the uh proud owner of those 1000 yo-yo ma t-shirts that i sent you you're welcome i gotta i gotta tell you the resale market on those has been real slim i haven't sold one well i mean the quality of the goods you should be able to move them pretty easily that's on you the, yeah the stitching is premium <laughs> Oh, good. I, I was just curious. I was looking up uh, like how Yoan Mankata has been pitched this year, if it's been any different. And he's been he's faced the best velocity of his career. It's like pitchers are just throwing harder against him, to your point. They're just like, I'm just going to throw a fastball for a strike, try to hit it. Yeah, something I find uh, fun this season uh, is after the games, I like to look at how pitchers – pitch to our hitters just to see what they do and yeah uh it's not been tough for the opponents to get out Mankata. They, they can throw it anywhere in the zone and he'll either find he'll either crush it or find a way to get out on it it's it's pretty interesting he's seeing the most pitches ever inside the strike zone he's swinging more inside the strike zone he's swinging more outside of the strike zone he's making contact less so it's just like every possible variable yes is going against him (laughs) yeah i mean okay when i say like i look at where the pitches go i guess i should say like usually you can see that a pitcher has a plan with a hitter they try to keep the ball away or low they try to put the fastball here or there with Moncada, they don't have any plan or anything they just throw the ball wherever and he gets out it's it's pretty different from when you're looking at like where they get pitched to, like Robert or Sheets. They see the exact, only two types of pitches every time they go up. Mankata, I'll try anything in the arsenal. He'll get himself out. So if you're watching the game ever, check out that baseball savant. You can see exactly what we're talking about with how pitchers don't have to do much to get him out. And it's, it's sad because he used to be, I mean, pretty... He used to swing at a lot of junk, but he used to make a lot of really good contact and just drive the ball, a ton of doubles, and we just don't see we don't see it at all anymore. It's sad. 
He can always come back. It's not over. It's not over, but it's been ugly. It's been burger time because of it. Rendell's kind of facing the same uh, issue where, like, once pitchers stop fearing you, then you're just going to see so many more pitches in the strike zone. And if you can't do damage on it, like, that is tough to come back from. There are very few hitters in the sport who can't do damage inside the strike zone and still get on base a lot. Because I'm like, why would pitchers pitch around you? And now we have two of those guys who are just like, whoa, this is this could get ugly real fast. Munkad and Grandel just like keep struggling. Yeah, two might even be a generous uh, number. We have a handful, a big handful of guys who just can't hit easy pitches to hit it's it's been I guess, crazy. yeah this season bit, i've i've never seen so many meatballs just left right on the plate like just crush that ball it's just it's been painful like when we throw the meatball they hit it 450 we're we're leaving so many change-ups over I, it's crazy it's been a crazy year as far as not getting hard contact anywhere except from uh anderson other than that, and Vaughn. But, uh... Yeah, and when Anderson does, it's like, all right, Timmy, like, hard hit ball up the middle, get some base. Now you have to wait three innings for, like, him to do it again, and there's, like, eight strikeouts in between. Yeah, a couple ground outs. Yeah. Um, so we talked about all... I mean, we're going to know a lot in the next few weeks, of whether it comes down to if Tim Anderson is out, for an extended period of time, I mean, there's probably no recovery from that unless you make some crazy trade to replace him in the middle infield with some superstar type player. Because I mean, at the moment, he's top five shortstop middle infielder production-wise, so pretty hard to replace that. But we're gonna know what's going on soon enough. Um, any other topics you want to hit on? How have you enjoyed the Johnny Cueto experience? Um, you know, it's, it's entertaining. He's always been a fun pitcher, let's say. I don't know how sustainable it is or real it is. Like, yeah, he, he had a gem, no doubt. You predicted the perfect game or no hitter. <laughs> Almost yeah. true. He had a hell of a game. I mean, he's looked good. I mean, just there's a reason he had a minor league contract at the beginning of the year. I mean... We'll see what happens, but but uh, I'm not really news. I'm not really thrilled with that it's what May and we're already in Quato Town. I thought it would be I, I was hoping it wouldn't happen to be honest. I think <laughs> the best for training. Sorry, go ahead. Well, he uh, I think like the best thing about Quato is that he proved that it's okay to release Keiko because like if Quato wasn't average. I think Rick Hahn would have been like, oh, man, it's got to roll out Keiko every five days. Like, what else am I going to do? But that's a great get, point. And if the, at the very least, if that's all Cueto accomplishes, like, I'm going to be the league average, but I'm going to be there until August. I'm just like a workhorse. I'm not going to get injured. Awesome. We don't see Keiko anymore. I think Cueto uh, and Davis Martin, they started two days in a row. I think that that definitely... That was a great point by you. Like, made it super clear. Like, we can pull Bum Johnson, someone who doesn't even exist, <laughs> Davis Martin, and he's better than the guy we're paying 20 mil. So, I guess that is a nice little thing. 
I have a, speaking of uh, pitchers, I got another thought going back to Kopech. I was surprised watching that Yankee start that he got up to uh, over 90 pitches. And I haven't heard Benetti or Steve Stone mention it once. I haven't heard a national commentator mention it once. I haven't read about it on Fangraphs. The idea that like Kopech is on an innings limit. Han said it before the season started. He said it last year that like 2022 he'll be in an innings limit with the goal being like 2023. We can like almost get him there in 2024, like full, full go. But they've had like a pretty clear three-year plan for a while on how to get him from Tommy John surgery to what probably will be an extension, like to get him paid and healthy. So I'm just wondering, like, it seems like right now there's no limit to him, like maybe like a hundred pitches, but we might see way more of Davis Martin because if he keeps going, he keeps going awesome seven innings. They're going to have to like wind him down in July and August to make sure he's there for a potential playoff run. Yeah. I mean, I would hope that they're on top of that. I don't really know exactly how you deal with the ramp up, ramp down. I mean, we saw, we've seen some famous ramp downs or inning limits affect teams and playoff runs. I mean, let's say it comes down to it's the, you know, Strasburg, Carrie Wood, uh, polars where you just ride them and break them or don't ride them. And then they break anyway. I mean, where do you stand on it with Kopech? Are you ready to let him, let him eat? Or do you want to limit him at 160 because some spreadsheet they put together two years ago says so. I mean, I think like, as he's like right now, it looks like he's probably on pace for 150 innings. Which I like all the research shows that that's probably even a little more than you want. Like there is some science, like some research behind gradually ramping it up, like drastically reduces a re-injury risk. So I I don't mind like what they did with Rodon last year where they gave him like, let's hey, if his velocity is not there, let's give him three weeks off. Let's not even like take a chance. So if Kopech sometime in July doesn't look awesome, Give him a fake uh, injury list, you know, appointment. Call up Davis Martin for a few weeks and just see what we got. But I, I, I to answer your question, I don't want to just like, well, 200 innings. Like, I, I don't want that for Kopech. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I think they're monitoring it and doing a pretty good job. He's not been extended too, too far. Only a couple times. Has he even gone more than six, right? Yeah, I think that Yankees and uh, Star Wars is the, like by far his longest start this year. It's good to see that he's got it though. Oh that yeah, he can even I don't think we've ever seen him throw a hundred pitches in his career. Yeah, so the, I was just looking at he that's three straight starts where he went over ninety pitches, and four out of five where he went over ninety. So it's kind of surprising. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Well, he's looked great. Did nice. you know he he has not given up a homer this year? He's a beast, dude. I That's mean, amazing. Like, if his usage was up, like, you know, they're obviously watching him a bit, but if he's going eight innings, he he's a he's a beast. <laughs> he is. Like, there's no that no one can get a hit off of him. He's a monster. Yeah, he's like a a forest ape from like medieval times. He's a greased up forest ape from medieval times. We've been it. saying it for years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so here's something. The former Goose Island deck at the stadium. Yep. It's now the Miller Lite Landing. And it sucks. Like yeah, I, it's bad. We, ta- we, we dreaded it at the start of the year, talking about, okay, they switched their sponsor. It's the most underwhelming, like from where it was, like this sort of like big, iconic goose head coming out of right field. Now it's just like there's a Miller Lite sign on the concourse. And that's it. It's the laziest brand change and just like I feel like it takes down the prestige a little bit of the park. So I was super disappointed when I was I was at the game the game after the Nailer uh disaster. I was at the next game and I was really taking it in how bad it was. I'm not a fan of what they did out there. I mean it it can't be more poorly utilized because like just scanning from left to right that fa- kids fan deck in left field you know not for us but it serves a purpose kids genuinely like it it looks cool on tv center field concourse looks amazing really fun place to hang out in the summer just like really well designed and then right field is literally nothing like literally nothing at all just like one miller light sign where you can get the same beer you can get 400 other places in the park it's like if you don't want Goose Island anymore, like replace it with something. But give us giving us nothing is like so ridiculous. I had another revelation that night. Um, you know the lefty pitcher Sousa? What's his name? You know how to yeah, say I don't it? know how to pronounce his name. I've heard it pronounced like multiple different ways. Okay. He came out to pitch that night and he came out to uh Chief Keefe love Sosa. And All right. the crowd went crazy. Sure. And I just wanted to hype that because <laughs> big fan of the song. <laughs> that's a fan. That's knowing your audience. Like oh, I'm in yeah. Chicago. I got a silly last name. No one gives a shit about me. I'm a random reliever. Let me throw some red meat to the to the faithful here. Oh, and they gobbled it up, myself included. <laughs> it's apparently it's Sousa. So Sousa. Love Sousa. Love Susan. Still works. He's been bad. I hope he <laughs> Well, I got a thousand shirts coming your way. <laughs> Love Susan. Yeah. I well, all right, I kept two hundred, so you got eight hundred. Honestly, I'd buy it. I'd buy it. <laughs> Just horrible sock shirts. <laughs> there's there's a market for them, I think. Well, there's like a guy trying to sell them at every game. Nobody seems to buy them. Dude, does anyone ever... buy those bootleg shirts? Um, people do at Wrigley for sure. Like, yeah, yeah. There's like a huge market for those, but I've yeah, I've never seen one person buy a bootleg sock shirt outside Comiskey. It's did, weird... did I tell you about um the like March Madness uh, Illini shirt uh thing I did? No. So like when Illinois made the tournament uh, this year before March. There's like a, a promotion through their website, like sign up now. And after every win from now until the end of the tournament, uh, you'll get a you'll get a T-shirt. So it was like X amount of dollars with a heavily discount from like Big Ten tournament on. So if they win, you get a free T-shirt. And I signed up like, yeah, whatever. You know, this is the last year. It'll be good for a while. Big Illini fan. I could use some more Illini shirts. They win in the Big Ten tournament. 
week later, I get a shirt mailed to me. It's just like the most generic like shit shirt you've ever seen. It just says like March Madness on it. It's like, yeah, yeah. It just got scammed. And I'm like, Is it even hey. like Illinois March Madness or it's just generic March Madness? So it's it, it's an orange shirt with like a bracket on it and it says like March Madness. It's a really bad shirt. That sucks. <laughs> then they, they lost the next game in the Big Ten tournament. So it's like, oh, well, okay. Um, but they made March they made the tournament. So uh fast forward a week, they win the first round of March Madness. I get another shirt. It's basically the same shirt. It also says March Madness, but it's in like the a different shade of orange. It's like not even the right shade of orange. <laughs> and then they lose a couple days later, so I, it's all gone anyway. So I got two shirts out of this. They're the two worst shirts I own. And it was just like such a scam. That's, I can't imagine how disappointed you are. You probably thought, okay, I'll get some nice like college, like, you remember the giveaways at the stadium, like take me back to those days instead. Exactly. Some generic prints where they've just got a thousand colored shirts and send out based on your mailing (laughs) color and the most like, most contrastable font no thought at all none it's not an actual piece of fan equipment it's nothing it's a pajama shirt instantly i got had like they got me they got me good did you have to pay oh yeah how much so i think it was like i think it was like if you were to buy it normally it'd be 25 dollars a shirt or something but then with this deal it was like 15 dollars a shirt for every okay. win, so it was like well, it was like bucks. thirty bucks for two shirts, but thirty these bucks are worth, for the worst shirts you own. I mean, they are. If I showed you, it's like no one would pay any money for that shirt. It's the worst shirt I've ever seen. Yeah, send me a picture, and I'll make it the episode. Uh, I'll make it the picture for the episode. The shirts you I'll, got. I'll find. I think it's in the dog's cage. It's like a blanket for her. I. That's even better. <laughs> Just get it with the dog on it, taking a piss yeah, on still. it. <laughs> Oh, good stuff. Well, I think we go out on shirts. I mean, we've gone out on hats before. You want to call it there? Do you got anything else? You know, we'll end on uh, shirts with a shirt, guys. Yeah, we're the worst shirt you've ever heard of. Hopefully, we'll all be seeing it soon. I'm excited. Don, find those shirts, no matter how big they are. I will. All right. Thanks for listening, and uh, let's hope the Sox can figure some things out. All right.
unbelievable. I'll tell you what, they have got to start making guys be accountable. That is totally absurd. That just tells you he has flu. Here's an umpire in the American League knows nothing about the game of baseball. That's unbelievable.